Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, family. I love to say that because you are my family, family of God. It's so important to me. Family of God is so important to me and to my story. Without the family of God, my story wouldn't be what it is today. Um, absolutely, the family. I uh, hope you were here last week, but if you weren't, if you missed Ben's message, it was an incredible intro to the series called This Is My Story. And before I get into my story, I want to tell you that I could tell stories all day long um, uh, about my story. And uh, stories, uh, I could tell stories of failures, of successes, of good times, bad times, conflicts, resolutions, sorrows, struggles, many mistakes that I made. Some that I still wrestle with, even today. That's part of my story. But the biggest part of my story, to date, is a story of victory. It's a story of the favor of God and the blessings of God. It's a story that God isn't finished with me yet. That he's still shaping me. That he's still molding me. That's the major part of my story. That's the part I want you to remember today. It's that my story is a story of victory. My story is a story of redemption. That's the real story. Each, I, each time I surrendered to his will, each time I allowed him to change my mind, each time I chose to listen to him and obey, he transformed my story. He took all the details of my story, he took all the messes of my story, and still is and transform them. He took what the enemy meant for evil and he made it into something good. He takes even my suffering and makes it into glorious, something glorious. That's the part I want you to remember. You got it? Okay. So, I was kind of a late bloomer. I didn't start ditching school until the first day of kindergarten. True story. I didn't have much use for kindergarten. I would rather be home digging a hole in my backyard or building a tree house or something, chasing my dog or riding my mini bike. I was five years old. We moved to Denver. I was born and raised here. I moved to Denver, and uh, we were we moved to Denver to look for. Um, a school for my brother who's handicapped. And so here I was in Arvada, and uh, I went to school in Arvada, and um, I, I raised my hand and said, can I go to the bathroom? And then I never came back. <laughs> and I hid inside the church building. So then after the bell rang, I knew church was, or I, I really didn't know, but I guess school was over. So 
I went outside, and I was waiting for my mom because she was going to pick me up, and she drove by, and so I went, I went running for her because she didn't see me. And then I turn around, and the school buses had all departed, and they were gone. And it's like, okay, here I was walking through Arvada, five years old, and some guy picked me up and took me home. Of course, my mom, she's a small-town gal too, you know. She was scared stiff. So anyway, I like to say I started ditching school first day of kindergarten. Well, it kind of went downhill from there, actually. By the time I was in seventh grade, I, was, I had started doing drugs and drinking occasionally. <clears throat> By the time I got to high school, it was an everyday thing. Um, and just turn it up a little on the weekends. And um, I started stealing things, uh, just little things. It was kind of a sport. Uh, see how much you could get away with. I uh, dated a lot of girls. Um, so when I got to college, I just turned it up another couple notches. If we're going to do this, if we're going to have fun, let's take it all the way. And so I did. And uh, things got worse. And so I was studying philosophy and sociology and psychology. One of the reasons I took sociology is because uh, my dad said I needed to get one of three degrees in order to come back and work for him in handicapped services. Psychology, sociology, or case management. So I researched them all and I, wanted, and I picked the easiest one. Sociology. So I thought, I can do this. So anyway, I was studying philosophy and sociology and uh, to make a long story short, um, there were some things that really came down on me. I had a couple friends uh, who took their own lives. I had a friend who <coughs> took someone else's life. I had uh, <coughs> a couple friends who died of overdoses. I had some very serious girl problems. And then I got caught stealing, and I was looking at going to jail for three years, and uh, <clears throat> uh, because my dad was an upstanding citizen, <clears throat> he was, he was a great, he uh, covered my tracks, he went down to the newspaper, because he knew the guy at the newspaper, and said, could you not put this in the paper, and uh, of course he paid the lawyers to seal my case in any way, but anyway, all of this came crashing down, and uh, here I was, and now a senior in college studying philosophy and sociology at a state-level college and drinking like a fish and taking drugs. I was an emotional mess. I was just an emotional mess. Now, I couldn't hardly talk, which is funny because now I'm talking in front of you folks. It's like how God has transformed that into this. So I started a quest. I wanted to look for some people. I wasn't really even looking for God. I wanted to find some people that were real, genuine people, that lived real, genuine lives. And so that's, that was my quest. I started looking for people. I went to all these weird festivals and 
different religions, and I ended up at a sunrise service. My wife was there. She'd become a Christian. I knew her before, and uh, anyway, so um, she wouldn't date me because I wasn't a believer. I didn't, I didn't know what a believer was. So guess what I did? I invited her to go to church. <laughs> you think I'm, yeah, <clears throat> I know what I'm doing. So, because uh, it was my tradition to go to church on Easter. And so she says, well, how about you come with me? So rather than going to this traditional church that I was raised in, I went to an Easter sunrise service with her. And uh, shortly after that, I, I accepted the Lord. I, I had uh, committed my life to God. And uh, that is the very cleaned up version of my life. Um, but the one thing I want you to remember, that every time I turn to God... He transformed my life. He transformed the dumbest things in my life into something good. Because I just turned to him. I wasn't on this trying to be a great Christian. I just was crying out to God to save me from the, myself even. I was so into um, recreation. I was doing extreme crazy recreation stuff. I would ski mountain passes in the middle of the night. I'd park at the summit and get out and start at 10 o'clock at night and ski down into Silverton. Then I would hitchhike back. I'd be done at 3 in the morning. Kimberly went with me a few times. She thought I was nuts, and I was nuts. But the part I want you to remember about my story is a part of redemption, that God is good, that he's faithful, that every time I surrendered my will to him, he transformed my story into something good. Every time I chose to listen to him instead of what I wanted, he transformed my story. Every time I turned to him, he took those details of my life, the messes, and what the enemy meant for evil, and somehow, miraculously, turned it into something good. I, I just honestly don't know how he did it. But I want you to know that not only does he do that for me, but he does that for you. Every part of your story, even the ugly stuff. He didn't create the ugly stuff, but he can transform it. That is so good. That is so good. And you know what? We're all in this big story, I'm finding out. And it's good for my heart to know that my life is part of an epic story that is God's story. Amen? And I learned from hearing your story. The church calls it the testimony, or when I'm doing a funeral, it's called the eulogy, but to me, it's all just the story. It's your story. I need to hear your story. When I hear your story, I was so tickled by part of your story, Tom and Lori. And it just, and when I hear people's story, I think, wow, that, that strengthens me. Not only does it strengthen me, but it helps me to learn some of the most important lessons of my own life. It strengthens that. What has God done in your life? So we need to be sharing our story with others. What is God doing? What does God want from you? We have these questions. Who am I, really? And sometimes 
each other's story helps us to discover that. You see, every great story has characters, a plot, a conflict, an enemy, a hero, a resolution, a character transformation. Every good story. If you went to the movie and there was no character transformation, if the wimpy guy didn't become the hero or the bad guy didn't become the good guy, you know, it'd be a bad, it's a bad story. If there was no conflict in the movies we watch, it'd be a bad story. But sometimes we don't welcome conflict or we can't see that maybe this conflict in my life, this thing that's in my life, could ever become something good. But it can if we just surrender it to God and His ways and His word. That's the story. That's the gospel. That's the real story, actually. And that's why we like story. The reason we like some stories is because it mirrors the story of God in all of creation. God has planted, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, that he has planted eternity into our hearts. Something calls to us, I believe. The Lord calls to us. It's in the wind. We hear it. It excites us that we're in a larger story. Something in our hearts knows that we want to be in an epic story. The characters in our story, you and I, and the people in our lives, I have, I think, look back and see some of the characters in my life that played a part of my story. So when I was um, right in the middle of my mess and starting to go to church, I had, I had really long hair, like way down to here, and I wore blue jeans with pink embroidered flowers down the side, okay, and no shoes. That's how I went to church. Okay, and a tank top. Okay, that's how I went to church. I told myself, I'm going, I'm going to go to the first church where there were, somebody's wearing a tank top. And so there's this little old lady, and she kept inviting me over for dinner. Every week. And we'd have roast beef and potatoes and carrots. And it's like, wow, this is like Thanksgiving. I was used to eating peanut butter three times a day, literally. A big spoon of peanut butter for breakfast and off to school or whatever I was doing that day. She was part of my story. She was one of the characters of my story. And Kimberly was one of the characters of my story. When a lot of the Christian people wouldn't hardly even hang out with me. Some of them wouldn't even, you know, and, and rightfully so. I was a mess. And I had some weird philosophies. You know, so again, I was studying philosophy and doing drugs and drinking. Put those two together. It's like, whoa. This is online, right? Oh, crud. <laughs> That's all right. I, when I was raising kids, the Lord told me, don't spare. Don't tell your kids your story. You know, my kids would come to me and say, yeah, but you did this. Yeah, and when I did that, it was wrong. And when you do it, it's going to be wrong. And so I always told my story, even to my own kid. There's characters in our story. The plot of God's story is a story of redemption from beginning to end. 
There's a conflict in our story. There's sin, not only in our lives, but in the world, which creates sickness, which creates disease, which creates all kinds of hardship for you and I, just because you and I and the world sometimes chooses to do wrong things. There's a conflict. There's an enemy. There, there is an enemy. He's real. There's darkness in this world, and it's real. It's real. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but I have. It's very real. And the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy, and he wants to ruin your story, the story that God intends for you to live. And there's a hero of our story, a real hero, God the Father and his beloved Son. Those are the heroes of our story. There's character transformation. There's God who shapes you and I and molds us into his likeness as we surrender to him. That's the character transformation. When I go to my class reunions, it's almost funny to me. The people say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm a minister. It's like, what? <laughs> You're a hooligan. It's funny to me, I think. It's amazing to me. That God took me, the foolish things of this world, to confound the wise, the Bible says. He takes us, very imperfect us, and transforms us into something eternal. That's, that's cool. That's the real story. That's God's story. That's the gospel. Let's take our Bibles out and... Uh, Hold them up just for a second. God, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that we have the word of God, that we have so much scholarship. Father God, we have so much. We just thank you for the word of God, and we ask you to open our eyes to hear and to see what you're doing today. In Jesus' name. Let's turn to Colossians. Quickly becoming one of my favorite portions of Scripture. Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 16. If you don't mind, I'm just going to read 16 through 20. I know it's a little lengthy. Actually, I'm going to, just, I'm going to back up and start at verse 15 as well, because it's all part of this one little part. This is in the New Living Translation. It's my latest favorite. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, through Christ, God the Father created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. God is sovereign. You know what that word means? God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows the end from the beginning. 
He knows the end of your life from the beginning. He is the beginning and the end. Colossians 1.17 says, He holds all things together. He holds your life together. He holds my life together. He holds all things together. Verse 20, And through him Christ God the Father reconciled everything to himself. Get this part here. There's nothing in our past. There's nothing in my past. There's nothing in your past that God does not hold together. There's nothing in our past that God cannot reconcile. Do you get that? Nothing? Can you say nothing? Think of all that stuff in our lives. There's nothing in our lives that God can't reconcile can't make right, can't turn it into something good. Nothing. I don't know how he does that, but he does. Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know this, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The Amplified Bible says it this way, For we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan, as a story, for the good of those who love God. For everyone? No. Just for those who love God and are called according to his plans and purposes. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Eight, Romans 8, verse 38 says this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's no part of your story. There's no part of my story that disqualifies me from the love of God. <clears throat> I had a few things that I thought disqualified. Yep. So one time I... Uh, <clears throat> I was hanging out with this guy in Sterling, and I came home for a weekend or something, and he gave me some drugs. And so I went back to college, and I sent him some drugs to pay him back. And uh, <clears throat> before he got my package, he had taken his own life. And his parents got my package. And they thought I would was responsible. But it was really the other way around. But I thought, that disqualifies me. That disqualifies me from the love of God. Nope, it doesn't. God is so good. He takes our messes and turns them around into something good. I think of some of the things I did as a, I was such a knucklehead as a kid. And just full bore. Let's, if we're going to do something, let's do it. And uh, <clears throat> I'm not disqualified. And neither are you. I don't know what you can think of your worst thing you ever did in your life. That doesn't disqualify from the love of God. We turn it over to Him. We surrender to Him. God holds all things together. He reconciles our life. And so now, 
What is your part in this epic story? Can you ask yourself, what is my role in this epic story that you're in? It's not just about your life. It's about this epic story that is all about God. And the only one that can answer those questions is the Lord himself, the author of your story. We need to seek him, search out his word, listen to his voice, obey him. Let him transform your story. Ask him to take the veil off of our eyes and even off of our hearts. To find our lives, we must turn to Jesus. He's the only one that can make sense of our stories. He's the only one that can transform our lives. We must yield to him, you and I. We need to ask him to, to make us all that he intended us to be. We need him to tell us who we are. We come up with these crazy identities. Oh, I'm a cowboy. No, you're not. I mean, you might like to be a cowboy. Oh, I'm a skier. I, I was a skier. That was my identity. I hung out with skiers. Like, my identity's in Christ. Oh, I do this for a living. Oh, I'm a this, I'm a that. No. We need Jesus to tell us who we are. Yeah, we might be those things. But more than that, our identity is hidden in Christ. We're now Christians. So then, as Francis Schaeffer once said, how shall we then live? How shall we live with that in mind? That we live in an epic story. When I do funerals, and for some reason I've done lots of funerals, um, and there's this part called the obituary or the eulogy, which I really like to just call the story. And what I often say in a funeral is, this person's life, other than their memories, their story is pretty much over. But your story is still being written. And so how are you going to participate in what God is doing in your story? How are you going to allow him to transform your story into his story? We need to ask Jesus for courage and faith for him to do that. This church is off awesome. I've only been here about six or seven years. But this church is awesome at helping people discover who they are in Christ. And then helping them to walk into that. Even uh, I could look around. I know many of your stories. I, mean, I know many of Ben. I know your story. God's working on us, isn't he? Still transforming us. And Tom and, all, and the leadership. I, it's, so, it's so cool to walk really close with the leadership of this church and see how God is even transforming their lives and their story. Each day, each turn in the road. I kind of stopped after I got saved telling you my story. But then I got married. I didn't know the first thing about marriage. And then we had kids. It's like, I never wanted to be married in the first place. And I for sure didn't want to have kids. And yet, then God, I was like, God took that and he changed my heart. I said, I'm never, I told all my cousins and stuff, yeah, I'd go to their weddings and I ain't doing this. And uh, when we surrendered to God, then he changed my heart. 
For sure I want to be married. Then he changed my heart. Of course I want to have kids, you know. And not everyone has kids, but I'm just saying that's how my story turned out. And I don't know how to raise kids either. How do you, what do you do with these things? And so the Word of God, I just open up the Word of God, and of course he, he shows me, you know. We surrender to him, we, then our story becomes good. And uh, together, I need to hear from your story. You actually have become part of my story. And hopefully I've become part of your story. What God is doing, what God wants of us to be doing. That's the kingdom of God. That's the gospel. That's the real story. That's his story. That's, I had a history teacher say to me once, history is just his story. And that's a kind of, a neat way of looking at it. Worship team, if you would come back to the platform at this point. And if you would stand. I was, I'm a big a fan of John Eldridge. He's a, one of my favorite authors. And he says, sometimes figuring out our story is like showing up 45 minutes late to a movie. It's like you go in and you sit down. Well, what's the story about? Like, that's how I sometimes feel about my life. Well, what's this about? I need to sit next to my wife and she say, Kate, tell me what's going on here. You know what I'm saying? And so I need your story. It helps me. I need you to tell me your story. I need you to listen to mine. It strengthens my story. It strengthens, we strengthen each other. And that's how the body of Christ is. The family of God. We need each other. We need each other's story. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I just pray that you would make sense of something I said to these folks. And I thank you that you've transformed my story into something good. That you aren't done with me yet. That you aren't done with them yet. You're still reconciling, God. You're still restoring. You're still taking even my current struggles, God, and transforming them. You know the beginning from the end. You do. Thank you, God. You're so patient, God. You're so forgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple action steps. Begin to ask God about one area of your life that you're currently wrestling with and how it might be transformed into something good. Practice imagining everything in your life as part of a larger story. And then share one little part of your story with someone else this week. Blessings.